recording. All right, got it. So again, on behalf of Apostle Teresa Harvard Johnson and the Scribal Conservatory Arts and Worship Center, we welcome you to our Sunday morning service. Thank you for being with us. Um, as always, we uh, start our presentations with a copyright notification and disclaimer, just to set things straight in terms of what we're presenting. It's not anything that we've taken from someone else. It is what God has given us. And um, so you'll know that we are in compliance both with heaven and with earth. So just a reminder. And this is our overview, um, the explanation of what a conservatory and a conservator are, and the principles that we stand and we protect. So I'm not going to read all of that. Most of everyone that is here is familiar with this. I will leave it up for just a, just a little bit. Um, for those who are just joining us today. So you'll, you'll be familiar with where we stand, who we are, and um, what we believe. And at the end of the day, we embrace immersion as our roots grow deep in him, grow deep in Christ. So just giving you a second to take a look at that. All right. So this is our giving information. It will be posted throughout the service. Again, if you are giving directly to the Scribal Conservatory, you can do so through uh, the website. There is a, a page uh, with Givelify where you can give. If you are wanting to give to Apostle Teresa um, personally, these are the ways in which you can do that. PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, and Cash App. So today... We are going to be continuing with um, the teaching that I did. I think it's been a couple of weeks ago, Christ Above Men. This is going to be part two. Now, I want you all to bear with me because when I taught a couple of weeks ago, um, that, that particular teaching was just the continuation of what we had been getting in terms of what the real what the prophetic is for real. And um, I have a tendency to love subtitles so we can get a better understanding of what the, um, while we have the overall message, more of a uh, more defined uh, message in terms of the subtitle. But today I don't have one because there's so much that is in me to share. And I know we don't have time for all of that. So I'm just going to leave it at Christ Above Men Part 2. And we'll just flow with Holy Spirit and, and let him teach us, show us, and um, just grow us in the midst of what we're learning. And as we understand that when we're teaching, we are the first partakers of the message that God pours out. So while I put some stuff together on these slides, I know that the Lord is even ministering to me. So again, we are going to flow um, by way of Holy Spirit on today. So today we're continuing with Christ above men. So just to recap, there's two main points that I want to emphasize here over the course of what we've been learning about the prophetic that I believe is just um, that we need to continue to herald and really allow to marinate in our spirits so that we will not waver or, or drift away from what God's intention is and what the prophetic really is. So we, we know that um, Apostle Teresa has been teaching that the prophetic is the work of Holy Spirit in the earth. Um, it's the tangible and intangible presence of God, which is Holy Spirit and all of his releases without limitation. And what I wanna say here is, 
I personally was introduced to the prophetic and took on an understanding that it was just about a prophetic word. But if you see here, the prophetic is not just limited to a prophetic word. It's the tangible and intangible presence of God in all of his releases without limitation. So it is, it is God thoroughly through and through. And the two cornerstones of the prophetic is um, that we say what the father says and we do what the father does. If we stay in that context, then we know that what we are doing and what we are experiencing is truly the pure prophetic. So I just wanted to foot stomp those two um, as we move into the second part of Christ above men. So in this lesson today, there's three spe specific things that I want to um, highlight. I want to talk a little bit about what the problem is in, uh, in terms of the prophetic and how we have elevated man above Christ. I want to talk about what it's going to take in order for us to ensure that that equation is, is turned back right side up to where we are elevating Christ above men and um, looking at the perfect conditions that need to be in place for that type of exchange to happen, to move from our desires and exchange them for God's desires. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about death here. I'm not talking about any of the religious stuff that we have established as, oh, you gotta, you gotta suffer and you gotta do all this religious stuff. No, I'm just talking about working through uh, releasing our stuff and taking hold to God's. And then the consequence of that exchange, which is life, maturity, and then there's an expansion internally, and then there's an expansion externally in the communities that we're a part of, uh, and then ultimately an expansion in the kingdom of God. So that's what we're going to talk about. I don't believe that it's going to take long, but um, just wanted to give you a little bit of context as we move forward. So you all know I love, love, love the scripture and color coding so we can really see what, what we want to emphasize. And so there's going to be a lot of scriptures. And I pray, as you know, in the conservatory, we emphasize, get you a paper Bible so that you can touch it, you can feel it, you can, you can interact and engage with it, not just on your devices, but really turn the pages, highlight the pages, read the pages, feel the pages, and really enter into that time with studying the word and understanding the word. So we are going to really get into uh, several scriptures today. So this is a familiar passage of scripture. I want you to go to 2 Timothy um, 3, uh, 1 through 5. And I'm going to read it off the screen and I'm going to emphasize some points um, here. But again, I want you to keep in mind that we're talking about Christ above men, but how it relates to the what the prophetic is for real um, from God's perspective. So the Bible reads, but understand this. Be, from the beginning, there is a there is a um call to understanding. If you go back to our to the pillars and the principles that we as conservators are protecting and heralding, one of them is understanding. So, but understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear. Are we not experiencing that right now? The landscape is crazy. 
things are going on nationally and internationally within families. You've heard me say this before, and some people have shared that on the line today. It has been crazy and it is going to be crazy. But my question is, as we read this, continue to read this scripture is, why is it crazy? And this is why. For people will be lovers of self, narcissistic and self-focused, lovers of money impelled by greed, boastful, arrogant revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy and profane, and they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, callous and inhumane. Irre uh, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, intemperate, immoral, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited. Listen, lovers of sensual pleasures rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness and religion, although they have denied its power for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith avoid such people and keep far away from them. So I want to really, really talk about the things that I have highlighted here. When it talks about the perilous times we're living in and the trouble, it is attributed to the fact that man is loving himself, loving herself, narcissistic and self-focused and loving sensual pleasures rather than loving God. Now, when we hear the word sensual, religion and society has conditioned us to believe that sensual is, is equivalent to sexual. Now, sexual is part of the umbrella of sensual, but it is not the, the all-encompassing uh, manifestation of sensual. Sensual it, uh, um, in a ba very basic form means anything that's coming out of our soulish realm, out of our, our five senses, out of what our personal desires are. So when we look at sensual from that perspective, you don't have to be doing something sexually immoral. You could be lying. You could be doing all of these lists of things that, that are right here in the scripture, being ungrateful, being holy, not believing, just um, not having self-control, being a hater, you know, and not from this societal definition of being a hater, hating your fellow brother and sister envying them, being jealous, all of these things that are birthed out of the soul realm. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about sensual pleasure. That is where we have camped out at uh, across the board. And we have taken that over loving God. And this is why the prophetic is perverted because we have been operating out of self and not out of Holy Spirit. And what religion has done because of what we have allowed and we have established as the standard is that there's this outward appearance of alignment with the will of God, but there truly is a disconnect because we are not operating out of God's desires. I hope that's making sense. We look like we are operating out of God's desires because of what the outward looks like. We have on all of this attire and we're checking boxes and we are um, abiding by the law. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And listen, I shared with you all a couple of weeks ago how I am a recovering self-righteous Pharisee, okay? I, that's funny, but it's not funny. And it's a lot of people on this line who are as well. 
You can look like you're doing right by God. You can check all of the boxes. You can live by the law, but that does not mean that your heart is engaged with God. That does not mean that there is alignment internally with what his desire is for you and for the communities that you are a part of or for the greater good of the entire kingdom of God. Just because you look like something don't mean that that's what it is. So we can't go by outward appearance. We have to go by what is really happening inside. And a lot of people internally, our wicked, our black, our, it, it's darkness, it is, it is ignorance, it is um, evil, it is all these things. And, and sometimes it's not even at the level of evil. It's just that we don't want to give up what we want. We don't want to make that type of exchange. So we walk around with this form of godliness, uh, you know, acting like we're really being prophetic and it's so far from what God intends. So the last thing I want to say here is the Bible goes on to, to encourage us to avoid these types of people and keep away from them. So I want to make something clear here. It is not instructing us to not be bothered with them. You know, the, the scripture where it says, come out from among them, same, same sentiment here. God is not intending for us to avoid them in the sense of not having anything to do with them because people need the truth. People need God. People need his presence. What this is saying is don't allow what they are doing to pull you out of your place of stability and understanding and grasping of the truth of God the real heart and intent of God and pulling you into the stuff that is totally contrary to God's will. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So many people operating out of the religious mindset and what man has made prophetic has cut people off from the very solutions that God has placed in the earth for them to get free and to stay free. And it's because of this very thing, looking like we're align with God and then avoiding people who look like they don't or, or who we've deemed isn't um, worthy of our presence, but it ain't even about us. It's about God's presence. So we judge them and we cut them off from God's grace, his mercy and his love and all of the things he wants to get to them in terms of understanding and opening them up to what God wants because of our selfish desires, our narcissistic ways, our being focused on self. Do you hear the word of the Lord? So we, it's not about leaving them and kicking them to the curb. It's about ensuring that we stay, we remain stable and steadfast and what God desires, that is what it is talking about. Stay away from anything that is going to cause us to act and operate contrary. That is gonna cause us to act and operate and nullify the power that comes with truly being aligned with God. So let's move on. And I hope that you all are taking note of these pictures because they are depictions of what is happening spiritually when we operate out of uh, of the place of um, um, elevating men over Christ. This is what this looks like by the spirit. 
So the Bible in James 4, 1 through 3 also gives a little bit uh, a more explanation about these sensual desires we talked about. This place of self, this place of having to be in the limelight, this place of needing to, 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 to have something to say, this place of needing uh, to have praise and needing to be worshipped. It is all coming out of that soul realm, out of those desires that have been established for various reasons. Whether you don't know who you are in Christ, you know what? Let's go back another step. Whether some people don't even know Christ. Oh my goodness. Prophet, why did you say that? Some people don't know Christ. They know the law. They know religion, but they don't know Christ. And then some people don't know who they are in Christ. And then some people are, are just because of what has happened in their lives, they have literally, um, their identity has been fused and has been established in their experiences. And so what has happened is now they have a lens through which they're looking at people, they're looking at God, they're looking at themselves, they're looking at conditions based on what happened to them. And so now the prophetic God's presence can't even necessarily enter into their space because they are by, by choice cutting it off because we know God's intent, his inter eternal intention is for us to be reconciled unto him so that we can truly understand who he is, who we are, and we can go out into this world and help other people come into that same understanding. But because of this, the, the sensual desires and our elevating ourselves, elevating others over Christ, we've come to a place where we have all of this discord, as James 4 and 1 through 3 is telling us, what leads to strife, discord, and feuds? How do conflicts and quarrels and fightings originate among you? They originate among us because of these sensual desires that are warring in our bodily members. Remember, it's not just sexual. It's not just sexual. You are jealous and you covet what others have. The Bible is clear. And your desires go unfulfilled. My goodness. So you become murderers because you don't get, because I don't get what we want. Now we become murderers. No, that does not necessarily mean we go out and we physically take someone's life, but listen to the word of God. To hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. If you get it in your heart that you want something so bad and then it does not come to pass, now you begin to be angry with the next person who has that. Or you begin to get angry with God because he didn't do what you wanted him to do. Or you begin to, you will even begin to get angry with yourself about some things. Hating, hating is more than what we've come to understand it to be. So then you burn with envy and anger and are not able, listen, to the word of God, you are not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment and the happiness that you seek. Oh my goodness. So because you don't get what you want, I don't get what I want. This is where the fighting and the warring happens. This is why it happens. We haven't even discussed what God wants. This is about what we want and not getting it. And so we want to fight. We want to throw hands. We want to cut somebody out. We want to burn everything down. We want to blame God. We want everybody to be the reason and everything to be the reason. So we just lash out 
because we have not gotten what we wanted. And the Bible goes on to say, you do not have because you don't ask. This is one condition. This, this happens sometimes. There, there's pride. We don't want to ask God. We don't want to get into right alignment and ask him for his will. And then there's this situation where I believe is more prevalent. You do not ask God for them and yet fail to receive because you ask. Listen to the word of God. You ask with the wrong purpose and evil and selfish motives. You ask, I ask based on what I want, what you want, what, 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 what everything else has become a standard um, as, and we're asking on account of that. And the Bible goes on to say your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it on sensual pleasures. So we go to God knowing our intent and what we what, what's behind it, our motive is twisted and is not in alignment with God's. And not only that, we want to, if we get what we want, we are not intending to use it for God's purpose. My goodness, do you see why the prophetic is so convoluted? Do you see why the apostolic is so convoluted? Do you see why our world is in an upheaval and an uproar? Because people are not getting what they want and they're not asking when they ask, they're not asking according to God's will. No consideration in the entirety of those verses is there any consideration for what God wants? It reminds me of, um, I think it's, let me see my notes really quick. Psalm 37 and four, where it says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, um, he will give you the desires of your heart. How many have used this scripture incorrectly? How many have heard others use it incorrectly? Oh, this is what I want. So I'm just going to get it because it's a desire of my heart. No. What that means is if you engage with God, if you spend time getting to know him and his heart, you will begin to know, I will begin to know his intention. And when I ask, now the ask has nothing to do with what I wanted in my flesh, had nothing to do with what religion has said should be a desire, has nothing to do with what society has established as a standard. Now my ask, my request is in total alignment and agreement with what God wants. That's what Psalm 30 and 7, 37 and 4 is talking about. Not our stuff, but when we ask for God's stuff, that's when it will be fulfilled. See, we got it all twisted. We are, we are elevating man above Christ. We are elevating what we want above what God wants. And we got to get this thing straight. I know y'all tired of me sounding like a, a, a just a broken record, but I make no apologies because we have got to get this straight so that we can, we can be part of um, ensuring that the pure prophetic, the pure apostolic, the purity of God's heart goes forth uninterrupted, unhindered, so that everyone has the opportunity to be reconciled to God and they can begin to understand who he is, understand who they are, and do what they've been put here to do. Too many Believers are fading away because of religion, sensual desires, and everything else that has nothing whatsoever to do with God's agenda. 
So let's go really quickly to John 12, 24 through 28. And I'm going to try to hurry up here. Um, I have been teaching um, the people that I mentor a series called Believe to Become. And the last time I taught on Thursday, it this scripture really just it really resonated with me and it hasn't let me go. And I was like, Lord, there's something to this. And he's just helping me make this connection with how we've been elevating men over Christ and um, helping me to really understand in a deeper way. We know some things and we understand some things from what we've learned heretofore, but God wants to take us deeper into our into understanding his heart. And so as he began to deal with me at a, at a greater, deeper level with this scripture, it just is so blessed my heart. I hope and pray that you can hear what, what, what is here, what resides in this word for you. So the Bible in John 12, 24 through 28 says, I assure you, and most solemnly, I tell you, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. And he, he prefaces what he's getting ready to say with, a guarantee. Like, listen, what I'm getting ready to tell you is the sure enough stomp down truth. Let me just let you know from the beginning, this is the truth. So I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It never becomes more. We understand that the kingdom is about multiplication. We understand that God is about expansion. He's about, he's about oneness, but expansion within the oneness. I hope y'all can catch that. He's about oneness, unity, koinonia, but expansion in the koinonia. So if one grain, of, a lesser grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It remains an individual. It never becomes more, but lives by itself alone. We already can see that that is not God's intent. Individualism, um, doing things selfishly, you know, your own agenda, that is just singular. It is nothing to do with oneness, but listen to what Jesus says. He says, but if it dies, Mm, 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 mm. If it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. Listen, I'm trying to stay in my seat because the word of God is so good. If it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. So if you look at this closely, it is not talking about the death that religion has, has uh, promoted to make us think, oh, you got to suffer and you can't have a good life. And, um, you know, you, you, you got to follow the law and you can't, you can't have fun in God and you can't all this foolishness that religion and man has established as the standard is, is not the way of God. That's not the death this is talking about. That's not the death that Jesus was sharing with the disciples. The death he is talking about here is to release your expectations, release your desires, release your, um, your, your intended outcomes. You know, what you have established in your heart and mind to be what you want it to be. 
That's the death that I'm talking about here. That's the death that Jesus was foot stomping and emphasizing in this moment, this teachable moment with the disciples. If it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. Listen to the word of God. Expansion happens when we die. Expansion happens when we release our stuff and we take on God's. Um, expansion transpires when we allow it to be so. And when I say it, God's intention, his eternal intention, when we allow it to be so, there is multiplication that happens. If we go back to Matthew, and I'm, I'm off script, but if we go back to the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25, it, it talks about how the master gave them according to what their ability was. And they were to go and they were to, to expand it. They were to go and to increase it. Okay, this is they died to their desire. Look, let me just take my five. Let me just take my two and, and be good with that and do what I need to do. But the expansion was about the kingdom, not about the individual servant. So the Bible goes on to say anyone who loves his life loses it. This life here, what we desire, all of that. If you if you hold fast to that, you are going to lose it. But anyone who hates his life in the world, in this world, will keep it to life eternal. My God, when we exchange our will for God's will, we are able to maintain life eternal. Not just maintain it, but enter into it. it we, we, we are existing in two very, uh, we're existing in both dimensions. But when we let go of our hold, our death grip, on this life and these desires, we seamlessly enter into the spirit realm and we're able to operate effectively out of both. My God, I hope y'all can understand what I'm saying. It goes on to say, whoever has no love for, no concern for, no regard for his life here on earth, but despises it, preserves his life forever and ever. Uh, when we operate out of the mind of God, and when we ensure that what we say, as Jesus said, I only say what the father says and what we do, I only do what the father does. We are preserving God's eternal intention. And so we are simultaneously existing in both realms at full effect. If anyone serves me, and he must continue to follow me to cleave steadfastly to me, not to the world, uh, Romans 12 and 2 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It goes on to say, conform here, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying. Oh my God, the word of God is so good. Lord, help me to bring it down. So this is so rich to me because We've understood in the scribal conservatory how often people elevate Moses over Christ, uh, Paul over Christ, the, the prophets of old over Christ, uh, Deborah and all of the, 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 the people in the Bible over Christ. But Jesus said, conform wholly to my example in your living and, and if need be. And wherever I am, there will my servant be also. Y'all listen to the harmony of the scriptures. When we exchange our desires 
for God, we enter into an existence with him that we had not experienced heretofore. We enter into an existence with him and in a place with him that we begin to understand better. We begin to be more um, equipped. We begin to be more stable. We begin to be able to see more clearly. We are, we are existing in the place where God is. We enter in. But when we hold fast to our stuff, we literally cut ourselves off from entering into that place. Not that God doesn't love us. Not that God has, has, has moved himself away from us. We have made the decision for that to happen. We cut off our access, not God. I hope that makes sense. So the Bible goes on to say, if anyone serves me, the father will honor him. That doesn't mean God esteems one over the other because you've obeyed God and, 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 and this person didn't. What that means is the honor means you will experience God differently because now you've entered into his will. You've entered into his eternal intention. And so your experience is going to be different. Your experience is going to be different. So that's what it means that the father will honor him. So the Bible goes on. Now my soul is troubled and distressed. Oh, I love Jesus. Ooh. He said, you know what? I'm not just going to drop the truth on you. I'm going to show you what this looks like. Jesus said, my soul, he said his soul is troubled and distressed. And what will I say? Father, save me from this hour of trial and agony. Come on, the perfect condition. Jesus is trying to help us to understand. I am, let's go back up, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying. He goes on to say, my soul is troubled and distressed. He wanted us to understand that he understands that we're going through. He understands that there's places where it is going to be very difficult to relinquish our hold on what we want. Jesus did not want to die. He had, he had moments where he did not want to die. For the whole world stuff, he didn't even do. He was troubled and distressed. And he said, well, what? I, I know I'm feeling this way. I know it's real. Let's not, let's not get crazy and religious. Oh, I'm going through, but I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. And you know you're troubled and distressed? No, Jesus said, let me just make it real plain for you. I'm going through. My soul is troubled and distressed. What will I say? Father, save me from this hour of trial and agony. <laughs> Is that what I'm going to say when I know he sent me to do something? Jesus goes on to say, but it was for this very purpose that I have come to this hour. Listen to Jesus that I might undergo it. Oh. My goodness. Jesus said, listen, yes, I'm troubled. Yes, I'm distressed. But I'm not going to ask the father to remove this situation from me because it's the perfect conditions for me to let go of my desire. He said, rather, I will say, father, glorify and honor and extol your own name. In other words, Jesus was saying, although I'm troubled, although I'm distressed, I do understand that you sent me here for such a time as this for an assignment and so instead of asking you to remove this, I understand that what you called me to do is connected to this going through. And so I will submit to it so that you can be glorified in the midst of it, God. 
Father, I am going to lay down my desires and pick yours up. And in so doing, the outcome is that you be glorified. And then God said, then there came a voice out of heaven saying, I have already glorified it. You remember, God doesn't exist in the limitation of time like we do. He already glorified his name. From the beginning, it was already done. So he had to let it be known again. Listen, I already glorified it. I already, my intent and my will is already done. Can we reckon it to be so? But this is, this is why I love the love God. He goes on to say, and I will glorify it again. What does that mean for God who is not restricted to time? For God whose will is already done from the beginning. What that means is because you, you all are in the earth realm and you are in a physical situation, if you align with my will, I am going to manifest what was already done. I am going to allow it to come out of the intangible into the tangible so that you can see, others can see that I am real. What I said is real. It is not a figment of your imagination. I am God and I will glorify my name from the beginning all the way through and at the end. He is alpha. He is the omega. Listen, you, you see the pattern in the word of God. Oh my goodness. Woo. If we go to Matthew 26, 35 through 45, I'm not even going to read that. You all know when Jesus, um, did I, let me see if I added that scripture. No, I didn't add that scripture. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he went back and forth three times. The pattern is so rich. And y'all know, I look for patterns. The pattern is so rich because I believe because Jesus excuse me, wanted us to really understand that he understood the troubles that we go through. He can understand, he knows the weight of the, of, of, of the daily that we undergo. He knows the hardships of what is going on that is going to bring forth the treasure out of us. He knows, he went back to the father three times to ask if the cup could pass from him, if it be another way, if I don't have to drink this. But at the end of the day, his resolution was, and, and his, his, his resolute stance was, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. All of that to say this to you. Self is the problem. Sensual desires operating out of the soul realm, that's the problem. The solution is exchanging all of that for God's eternal intention. And when we do that, that is when we see the pure, the purity of God's heart. When we see the purity of the prophetic um, take place. All right, so I've got just a few more slides here. So Jesus, of course, is our chief example. But I wanted to bring Paul in because I want us to see what this looks like. Um, one of the reasons why self has, has been uh, on the throne and why we've elevated men over Christ is because in a lot of cases, people don't know who he is. People don't know 
God. They don't know Jesus. They don't know his intent. But Paul gives us a beautiful um, understanding of what that looks like. And, and so he says, for my determined purpose is that I might know him. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, I love the way the Amplified describes this, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Listen, this, this, this acquaintance, this knowing is not a one-time situation. When I, when I talk about transformation, I'm not talking about a simple change. Transformation is such that the change is so drastic that you can never return to where you were before. If you look over the course of your life and you look at how far you've come, you know that it is some stuff you just not going to relinquish. You're not going to give up where you are with Christ now. You're not going to give up your maturity. You're not going to give up your stability. You're not going to give up your healing and deliverance. And it wasn't that it happened in one swoop. It progressively, it incrementally happened. So Paul is saying here that my determined purpose is to know him. He didn't say my determined purpose is to be worshiped by others, that I be in the limelight, that I have the last word, that I be the one that everybody is praising and, 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 and giving accolades to. He said, no, my determined purpose is to know him, that I might progressively, progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Listen, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. Listen, he didn't even say, I'm trying to, 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 to get after what God is doing. I just want to know God more strongly and more clearly. And that I might in the same way here, listen, that same determined purpose to know him also that I might in the same way know the power of his resurrection. Oh my God, the word is so good. The power of his resurrection, which it exerts over believers and that I might so share his sufferings. I don't just wanna know God in one dimension is what Paul is saying. I wanna know everything. I wanna know the good, what people consider bad and everything in between. Because if I don't know all, if I'm not acquainted with all of that, I don't really know him. See, if I only know the power and all the good, then I don't know him. I only know a piece. And if I'm only on the suffering side and I don't know the good and the power, I only got one piece. I'm lopsided. But if we know, like Paul is presenting here, all of it, then we are balanced believers and we are really outfitted to elevate Christ over men. So he goes on to say that I know the power outflowing from his resurrection and that I might so share his sufferings. Listen, this is why we got to do all of it, not a piece of it, as to be continually, progressively, incrementally transformed in spirit into his likeness. Go back to the beginning. In Genesis 1, 26 or 27, God said, let us make man in our own image. This is why we have to desire to know him so that we can be transformed into likeness and image. To his death in the hope that if possible, I might attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while I'm in this body. Oh my goodness. Remember we talked about 
that it's not just, we, we, we don't just exist in one realm. We don't just exist here and we don't just exist in the spirit realm. God has called us to exist in both realms. And if we can really set ourselves and posture ourselves to know him, then we can be resurrected once we give up and we die to our desires and exchange it for God's, we can be resurrected to life both in this natural state and in the spiritual state. It lifts us out of being dead, out of being unproductive, out of, out of missing God's um, intent, out of not understanding or out of intentionally doing what we want to do. It will lift us up out of that place. And Paul goes on to talk about he hasn't attained it yet um, or already been made perfect. But see, he didn't he didn't he didn't drown or he didn't allow that neg that that what was seemingly negative to pull him into a place away from God. What it did was it pressed him into God. He said, but I press on to lay hold of and to make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made me his own. He is essentially saying, I haven't gotten there yet, but I won't stop because Jesus didn't stop. He laid hold of me. He died for me. He laid it all on the line for me. And if he can do that for me, what? I mean, come on. I should be able to do the same thing. He goes on to say, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. Listen to the pattern. Forget what was behind. Forget what they did to you. Forget what you think you want to get revenge on. Forget what kind of judgment you want to exact on somebody. Forget what you think is owed to you. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, and I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Oh, my God. He said, I'm going to forget all of that. I'm going to let go of my desires and exchange them for God as I press into this place of being perfected in Christ. And he goes on to say, and this is so good. So let those of us who are spiritually mature and fully grown have this mind. Essentially what he's saying is if we are going to move into the place of maturity as Ephesians 11 uh -oh, I'm sorry, four and 11 talk tells us all of these gifts were given for the perfecting of the body till we call, till we come into the fullness and to the oneness into the, to the image and, and, and likeness and character of Christ. He says, so let this, let us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this mind and hold these convictions. And if in any respect, you have a different attitude, Paul is so strategic. He said, listen, you might be there already, so continue in that. And if you're not, let's 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 keep on going. Because guess what? God is gonna make it clear to you. Because God wants all of us to be reconciled and come into this place of maturity. So don't worry if you ain't there yet. Don't even worry because God's will is that you get it. And then it says, only let us hold true to what we have already attained. The understanding God has given us heretofore, um, how he has grown us so far, the things that are from him, maintain those things and walk and order our lives by what he has given us. Not by what the world has presented, not by what your experience has presented, but what God has given us out of his eternal intention. 
And the Bible goes on to say, brethren, together, follow my example and observe those and, and after the pattern we have set for you. Here, Paul is not saying to follow man. If you remember the scripture where he says, follow me as I follow Christ, he's repeating that sentiment here. Listen, follow the pattern of Christ that we are emulating before you. That's all he's saying. And if you go to, I put... um. Exodus 33, 13 through 14 here. This is where Moses is like, God, listen, I I'm not trying to go anywhere uh, unless you your presence goes with us. If you remember, one of the recaps we talked about that Apostle Teresa taught was that the prophetic is the presence of God, Holy Spirit, in all of his different releases without limitation. So even in the Old Testament, the prophetic was at play, God's eternal intention. Now they didn't have the indwelling, but Holy Spirit was still doing the work of God in the earth. And so um, Moses is like, I can't go unless your presence goes with me. And essentially um, he was saying, God, I don't, I, I want to know your ways so I can know you. And if I know you, I know how to proceed in these conditions. I know how to ensure that what you want is elevated above what, what I want, what the people want. I hope this is making sense. I just wanted y'all to have another scripture so you can see the harmony of how God moves. He is consistent in his um, intention. His methodologies, methodologies change, but his intention always remains intact. So let's move on. Oh, well, that was the end. So you all know I absolutely love to do call to action. Um, because if, we, if we're just hearers of the word and we never implement, we'll never, be, we'll never come into the place of seeing God's will manifest and we'll never come into the place of our full sonship of really moving in what he's given us to 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 see what he's called us to do or who he's called us to be and what he's called us to do so this is a reiteration of the previous teaching but the yellow highlights indicate how i've updated this call to action so i want you to to commit to this when and where have you elevated men above christ i want you to think about what you've learned what you've been learning across the board. Um, then with this new understanding, I want you to reflect back, identify instances where you considered, uh, you considered prophetic, but really weren't. Identify instances where you desire worship, glory, praise, and instances where you worshiped and gave glory and praise to others over Christ. Now, in addition to that, I want you to identify other desires that are misaligned or contrary to God's then I want you to take all of that and dissect those moments and ask Holy Spirit to help you determine why. Essentially, what's sponsoring or promoting those desires that are not aligned with God? What's at the root of that? What, what, what's really the reason behind it? And then once Holy Spirit highlights that to you, I want you to, to posture yourself and commit to addressing what he shows you, exchanging your will and desires for God's and living the prophetic for real. So that's all I have. Um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen and I can um, post this in the chat so you all can have, you can take a picture of it as